All right. Thank you, guys. Those pictures were from some recent pictures that we received from Soran. Uh, it's a village that uh, they've been ministering in and developing for uh, almost a year now. We've not been able to go there yet, but this visit we will be ministering in, the, in there. And so your gifts were the very means that provided uh, the things that you saw. This village is primarily a gypsy village. You, it's pretty noticeable by the, the types of buildings, the colorings of their homes, and uh, just the, the characteristics of the folks. And so we're excited about being able to go there. Soren was able to come back later and uh, take some shoes to some of the families that were in, in great need for those and coats and uh, also some winter items as well as the gift bags and things. And so you provided that, your love and your ministry and uh, your, your kind hearts. And so thank you guys again for your concern and your giving. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles this morning, if you would, to Matthew chapter 16. I want to begin this morning a, a series, a three-part series on the church. And when we think about that, you know, our, our church, certainly our activities and really the life of our church have been greatly interrupted this past year by uh, the COVID virus and our uh, inability to do a lot of ministries that we typically would do and even to be able to meet together like we normally would. And so because of that, uh, there's also the danger of maybe uh, you and I losing our, our vision or our understanding, maybe our passion for the church and what it really means. And so to go back and revisit the uh, idea or the doctrine or the teaching of what the church is, uh, is certainly a good thing for you and I to do uh, consistently so that we're reminded of the value and the importance of the body of Christ. Uh, you know, when Jesus ascended into heaven and uh, after that, the coming together of the disciples at Pentecost, we, we see the scripture and the establishment of the church. Uh, the Bible goes on and begins to define what the church is. It's the body of Christ. Uh, we continue the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ just as if he were here. And so he's certainly the head of the church. He gives us the direction, uh, the insight, the inspiration, all that we need to do what we do as a church. But in reality, you and I are the church that were individually members of the body of Christ, distinctly different, gifted by God in his specific uh, ways or his design. And then we're to go out and continue the ministry that God's given us. And so uh, as we look at these passages of Scripture that we're going to, uh, to do for the next few Sundays, uh, I just want us to, to be open to being refreshed and renewed about what the church is and about how important the church is. Let me share these verses with you and then we'll pray and then we'll get into what, what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 16, uh, beginning at verse 13. And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, Some say John the Baptist and some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Jesus begins to give us the idea of constructing the church or building his church. Bow with me if you would and let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so thankful today that in your word we can understand or reestablish in our hearts or remind ourselves about what the truth of, of the church is. And so, Lord, I pray this morning as we begin to think about uh, and reflect again on the church or our part or who we are, that, God, you would open these scriptures and challenge our heart. Father, we have a, a great opportunity in these times, this generation, these days that we live in, to be able to minister for your glory in the world that we live in today, in our own communities. So, Lord, I pray that you'll refresh us and just renew our our passion, our desire to uh, be what you've established us to be as a church. And Father, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you know, as you think about the scripture that uh, Jesus certainly gives us some understanding about building his church in this passage of scripture. You know, the scripture tells us here that Jesus and his disciples were in a, a region in the northern area of, of Israel at the time in Caesarea Philippi. And uh, they were there uh, traveling around, ministering and uh, doing uh, the, the work of the kingdom of God. And uh, certainly a great encouragement. Uh, Caesarea Philippi was was named after uh, Philip, the one of Herod's sons. And uh, he named it Caesarea Philippi or Caesarea of Philip because there was another city not far from there called Caesarea by the sea. And it was uh, built by his father, Care the Great. And so Jesus was in the region. But there's something significant about that area. But because before Philip established that area, there was, a, uh, in a sense, a shrine there. And that shrine was uh, dedicated to... Uh, the god of Pan. And so Pan was a Greek god of mythology, and he was uh, a god of, um, well, I'm not going to describe him to you, you can look it up, but he was half man, half goat. Uh, and uh, we, we get our English word panic uh, from the Greek god Pan, a god of disruption, disorder, and things like that. And so in this setting uh, where uh, Philip uh, was, uh, he was uh, the ruler in that particular area. Uh, region of Palestine, and so his father was King Herod, who persecuted the Lord Jesus Christ at his birth, and uh, so this setting was the very place that Jesus chose to speak about his church in the midst of persecution. Or the idea of paganism or Satan, Satan's influence, Jesus would say, you know what? In, in all these things, I'm going to establish my church in disorder, in chaos, in, in rejection. I, I'm going to establish uh, the work of God, my church, through my people. And so it certainly has continued today, hadn't it? 
that very thing of Jesus' church going forward. As a matter of fact, it's in these very circumstances that Jesus chose to announce this building of his church. And with the emphatic statement, he would say, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the strength of the body of Christ today. And so as you look at these verses of Scripture, follow along with me. And I want you to see with me, first of all, that Jesus outlines the confession for building. In other words, he gives us a confession or a foundation for how he would build his church. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. You know, right before that, Jesus identified Peter. He says, you're Peter. You've made this confession of faith. You're, when Jesus asked the disciples, he said, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And immediately they gave the kind of common answer. Uh, they said, well, Jesus is kind of going around that you're, you know, that, that you're, I don't know, John the Baptist resurrected or that you're uh, the prophet Jeremiah or you're one of the other prophets. And Jesus turns the, the thought of that very thing to a, a, a personal direction. He says, well, if that's who everybody says I am, who do you say that I am? And immediately, Peter made that confession. He said, well, you're Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus immediately turned and he said, Peter. He says, you're Peter. And on this rock, I I will build my church. And there's some things we need to understand. Look, uh, Jesus wasn't taking the Catholic position, okay, that... Peter is the foundation for the New Testament church. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, he was using a play on words. And, and he was re- really saying that there's, there's two kind of Greek words for, for rocks. And, and, and one of them is Petros, and it's the word for a little stone. It's a pebble that you can put in your hand. And that's what he said when he said, you're Peter. You're, you're a little stone. And then he said, but on this rock... Petra. And the word Petra is for a massive boulder or even a mountain or a a, a cornerstone or a stone of substantial size. And what Jesus was saying is that I'm going to take little stones and I'm going to put them on top of a big stone and I'm going to build my church. Peter elaborated on that in 1 Peter when he talked about living stones. That you and I as believers are put together and we're put together on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And on that foundation we become a living habitation for the Lord Jesus Christ that's full of praise and worship for Him. And so Peter is reminded by Jesus, he says, that really it's this statement, it's Christ, it's our, it's our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that He begins to build His church on. You see, his church is made up of individual people that have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We don't get to be a part of the church apart from our faith in Jesus Christ. We're not a part of what he's establishing, what he's building, and what he's constructing here on earth apart from believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that's really the, the, the statement that Jesus is getting at. How, how does this thing begin? It begins by our faith in Jesus Christ. Are you a believer today? If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're a part of His church. You see, the idea of confession, 
You, you see it throughout Scripture when it comes to those that are part of the church of Jesus Christ. The, you know, the Bible says that we confess Him how with our mouth, doesn't it? In, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, But if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart. You see, that confession is made with our mouth because there's faith in our heart. And, and so we make that confession. One of those ways is with, with our words. With our words, do you confess Jesus Christ very often to, to those around you with your mouth? In other words, do you give Him glory and praise? I mean, is, is there, there are times when you say to the people that, that, that you contact that, look, I want you to know that I'm a believer, or I want you to know how much I love Jesus, or I want you to know how important He is to me, a confession with our words, is the evidence of, of, of our, our statement of faith in Jesus Christ. You know, another way that we confess him is with, is with our, our works also. Listen to what James says in, in, in James chapter 2. Let me read it for you. Because James talks about that very thing. He was having this discussion and James was saying, you know, you say that you have faith. Well, that's well and good. But he says there, there's more. Listen to what he says in uh, James 2 verse 18. He says, but someone will say... You have faith, and I, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, James says, how are you going to prove your faith by words alone? And you can say you have faith, but James says, you know, here's how I'll prove that I have faith. Is, is, is I, I'll prove my faith by what I do. By what I do. Not only by what I say, but what I do. So what James is getting at is that our confession of faith ought to be followed by a transformed life. Or a life that's being changed. Or a life that's a little different than it used to be. And, and, and the results of that is by the things that we do. How are we led? What are the things that are important? What are our priorities? You, you know, what, what do we really commit and give our lives to? And so we make our statement of faith as believers today and, and, and people who are a part of the church of Jesus Christ by the things that we do. Right? Certainly by the words, but our, our, our works as well. And then let me give you a, a third thing too about our confession is we, we confess the Lord Jesus Christ with our worship. Say, what, Brother Mike? With our, with our worship? Absolutely. You're saying, by the way, I think No. No. Of course, that can be part of it. Uh, let's face it. God's given us some voices and some he hadn't. Uh, but, but we all are called to worship him. <laughs> Jesus says in John chapter 4, and, and let me get to that issue about, about worship. He says in John 4 verse 23, remember the discussion he was having with a woman at the well. And Jesus said that, this in this discussion. He says, but the hour is coming and now he is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeking those to worship Him. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Is that, think about that just for a minute. Jesus says, the Father is seeking those who worship Him in spirit and truth. In other words, think about that. That God's looking around. I believe He's here this morning in this worship. I know He is. And He's looking around. And He's not looking around at the smiles on our faces or... 
uh, the, the, the clothes that we have on or any of those kind of things. But you know where he's looking around? He's looking around in our hearts. And God has a way of opening our hearts in a way that we can't even do. And he's looking in our hearts and he's seeking those to worship him in spirit and truth. In other words, he wants us to worship him in spirit and truth. And as we do that, we confess that he is, he is Christ. And when we confess that he is Christ, we're confessing that he is, he is Lord. And I'm a part of his church. And so there's that statement. You see, the church is built on confessing believers that make a statement of their faith in Jesus Christ. Another thing that, that you'll see with me also, if you would, about this confession of, of building, uh, that God says, hey, I'm building my church, but also look at the source of where this comes from. How did you and I get to the place where we can confess Jesus Christ as Lord? Well, listen to what he says in verse 17. He says, and Jesus answered and said to him, after he'd asked him the question, who do you say that I am? He says, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this, but my Father who is in heaven. How did Peter know that Jesus was who he says he was? How did Jesus know that, Je- that, that how, how did Peter know that Jesus was the son of the living God? Is that God revealed that to him. Every one of us here this morning that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ at some point in time had an experience of faith in Jesus Christ where God revealed to you that Jesus is who He says He is. That Jesus died for you on the cross. And that Jesus Christ wants you to believe in Him and have eternal life. Because the Bible says that none of us seek after Him. That none of us are righteous. No, not, not, not one of us. And the Bible says, unless the Spirit of God draws us, that we, we don't come on our own. So maybe God is drawing you this morning and He's urging you in your heart to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If He is, then I want to plead with you to hear Him and respond to Him, just like Peter did. And make your statement, your belief of faith in Him. You may be here and you're, you're a child of God already and you know what I'm talking about. Because you, you, you can say amen to God opening up your understanding, making Jesus real to you, and you embracing that with faith and believing and trusting in Him. Then you ought to celebrate that you're a part of the church because the source of our belief, our faith, our confession is God Himself. Now let me move on. Because Jesus goes on and he talks about the substance of it. I've already mentioned it, but it's faith. He says, and I say to you in verse 18 that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of, of, of Hades shall not prevail against it. What Jesus is reaffirming to Peter, listen, it's your, it's your faith. It, it's, that's the substance of, of your relationship with me. It's faith. Hebrews says that it's impossible to please God without faith. And so our our faith is what connects us to God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is, is that confidence that we have in God. That everything that he says that he is and he'll do is 
is a reality for us. And so it calls this confession uh, for our confession uh, that God is building his church. Now, move a little bit, a little bit further about his building. I, I gave you this answer. I want to make it easy for you. Uh, completely by mistake. <laughs> but, but, but the idea is the, the commitment for building. Why does God want, is God really going to do this? Or is he really doing it? And let me tell you, we have a commitment from the Lord Jesus Christ that he is doing it. That, that not only has he began it in the past, he started it in the past, but he's continued it for these 2,000 years and he's going to continue it until he's finished with the church and until he takes the church out of this world. You see, in our study in the book of Daniel, we've been learning on Wednesday mornings that in the Old Testament, the church was a mystery. Uh, that the church was unknown to those Old Testament saints, but all of a sudden now, it's a mystery that's been unveiled in the New Testament. And now it's a reality, and it's how God is working in, in the world today. And so he's made a commitment to not only start the church, but to grow the church and build the church. How do we know that? Because he says it. Verse 18, I will build my church, is what Jesus Christ says. You know, Jesus Christ is incapable of of telling a lie. And what he says is, is, is fact. And he says, I will build my church. How's that comforting to us or... Well, listen, first of all, it's a personal commitment. He says, I will. He says, I'm not going to leave it up to you. (laughs) I'm not going to leave it up to the angels. I'm not going to leave it up to anyone else. He says, I will build my church. So we, we have this personal commitment from Jesus Christ that he'll build his church. And if he's going to build a church, let me tell you, that, that he has to shape every individual stone that's a part of his church. Because you see, one inferior stone might cause the fall of the whole thing. You as a believer, God's working on you. Hear me this morning. Jesus will never give up on you. I don't care what's happened what you think's happening or what you think's going to happen. He'll never give up on you. He's committed himself to working on you. And the scripture says that we can be confident of this very thing. That he who has begun talking about Jesus, that Jesus who has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Christ. God's promise to us is I'll never give up. I'm personally committed to building my church, which you're a part of, which I'll never give up on you, and I'll never give up on my church. I will build my church. You know, the other thing that's exciting and encouraging is not only that we have his personal commitment, but it's a possessive kind of commitment. He says, I'll build my church, not somebody else's church. I'm not building it for someone else, but I'm building it for myself. I'm building me a church. What is what Jesus says. My church. You know, the wonderful thing about that is that the, the church is destined to be indis, indistinctively like Jesus Christ. 
because he's building his church. Uh, it's, it's amazing that you and I are part of what God's doing. You know, it's possessive in the sense that, that, that the church is bought with a price. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that you and I are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in our body and our spirits, which are His. Not only are we as individual parts of the church bought by the, by, by the Lord Jesus Christ, but, but, but he goes on to say specifically, or Scripture does, uh, uh, in Acts chapter 20, that the church was bought by the Lord Jesus Christ, purchased with His own blood. And so by that, we're... We're His possessions. And the church belongs to Him. And one day we'll be exclusively with Him in heaven. And so we have that very certain commitment that He's going to build His church. Now another thing that Jesus reminded the disciples of is is that there was this sense of confidence that we can have uh, for building the church. Uh, he says in. And the gates of Hades. King James says the gates of hell. Shall not prevail against the church. That's a pretty confident statement in it. Jesus with all boldness. And with all assurance to you and I. Says that the church will not be overcome. Look. The world's not going to overcome the church. No, no matter how much persecution. Or how much institutional pressure by government or whatever in the, in the nations of the world. The church is not going to be overcome. There's no amount of persecution. There's no amount of opposition that's going to overwhelm or overcome the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you and I as believers and as a part of the church. We can go out in the world knowing that we have victory over our fear. What do we have to fear? I mean, Jesus has given us his word that the church will not be overcome. When you and I think about witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the biggest reasons that people don't always witness to him is fear. Uh, somebody's going to reject me or somebody's going to push back or somebody's not going to believe or, or somebody's going to insult me or I, my, you know, my ego's going to be hurt by all it. Listen. <laughs> The message of the gospel is the foundation for the church. And if the church is not going to be overcome, overwhelmed, then you and I sharing the gospel, we aren't going to be overcome or overwhelmed. Because it's the necessary part of what God's doing to build His church. So don't fear. Don't be afraid to go out and talk about Jesus Christ. Uh, another thing about not only do we have victory over fear, but we have victory for our future. You know, the New King James uh, translates hell here for Hades. It's just dead. Death will not overcome the church. Do you know why death will not overcome the church? Because the church has promised a resurrection. We're all promised to be resurrected with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 about the fact that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. With many more, the church, many more believers to follow after him. Now look, do you want evidence that the church 
has the confidence to minister in the world today? Well, the evidence is the resurrection. That death, the grave, the world, Satan, any enemies that we have cannot, will not prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have confidence because we have the victory. Well, the last thing I want to share with you about Jesus building his church or constructing his church is that he has a cause for building the church. You know, typically when we build something, we have a cause, right? I mean, if you're going to, I'm building a house because I'm going to live in it because I don't want to stay out in the rain anymore or the cold. So we have a cause. Jesus has a cause for building his church. He says, he says to, to the disciples in verse 19, I want you to notice, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You see, the cause for Jesus building his church is that, that he would have a, a, a group of servants here on this earth that would advance his kingdom here and now. In other words, that after his ascension into heaven, Jesus would leave with the church not only the authority, but Jesus would leave with the church the assignment of reaching the world with with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of the last things and the last statements that he made to his followers, you remember, were those statements about going out and making disciples. Do you remember that? That Jesus says, go ye therefore, or go and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them whatsoever I've commanded you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's why we do what we do as a church. Is because our assignment or the purpose that Jesus has built the church or the cause that he's built his church or building his church is the fact that he wants Those to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, we're standing on the first Sunday of the new year of 2021. And the the big question isn't how long is COVID going to hang around. But really the big question ought to be is how effective are we going to be as a church in this new year? Because that's much more valuable than any vaccine. Or any relief that we can ever get from anywhere else. But it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. How are we going to do that? How effective are we going to be doing it? How committed are we going to be doing to, to, to the task of doing it? All those things are real questions that we need to be asking. You see, Jesus said, I'll give you the keys. You know what keys are in the Bible? They're authority. Have you ever, ever heard that old saying? Well, he carries the keys around here, right? Well, what, what do they mean? They mean, well, he's the, he's the authority. And Jesus said, I'm giving to the church a divine authority. I'm giving the church this divine authority that comes in the form of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which will unlock all the gates. It'll unlock heaven for those who are separated from God. And he says, I'm going to give you the keys, entrusting them to the church. You know, I wonder, a lot of times you, uh, you know, I I used to, uh, 
managed some businesses, and I was transferred to a new store, new location. And so one of the first things you get is the combination to the safe, right? I mean, you've got to have a combination to safe. And so I came in this new store, and the guy that was leaving, he was giving me all, catching me up on all the details. And he said, oh, he said, let me give you the combination of the safe. And he slid this book back on top of the safe, and there it was painted on top of the safe. Combination. I said, oh, gee, that'll be easy to remember. I can just look down while I'm, you know, working the dial. And, and, uh, and but yet God has given us a key. And we don't need to neglect that because it is truly a divine key authority. And he passes that to his church. Not, not only does this divine authority reflect on the fact that we're sharing the gospel, but also this, this cause has divine activity along with it. Because he says in sharing the gospel, listen to what he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, I want to give you a way that you can unlock heaven for other people as they believe this message of Jesus Christ. But he goes on to say, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That, that's divine activity. Now, now let, me, let me kind of give you maybe a... a a little bit of information about that. In, in, in the Greek language, this is kind of in the, 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 the present tense. In other words, we could translate this like this. In other words, what has already been loosed in heaven will be loosed on earth. So in other words, what Jesus is saying to the church, that through the power of the gospel and as we share the good news of Jesus Christ, that you can bring heaven to earth and those on earth to heaven. All because of the activity of the church. Serving. Teaching. Making disciples. Encouraging each other. Supporting each other. Praying for each other. Everything that crosses your mind that the church does are all those divine activities that bring people to Christ and, and, and bring Him closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And all those things are wonderful, divine, holy activities of God that Christ has invested in His church. And He says, now go and do it. Go and do it. You see, that's the cause that Jesus had, the reason that He builds His church today. Well, question always, are we, are you, am I, for me, involved in those things? Do I want to be more involved in those things? Bow with me if you would and we'll pray. Father in heaven, we're so thankful today for the fact that you are, that you are constructing your church today. That you're building a house of worship and praise that lifts up your glory and your praise, that lifts up the message of hope and salvation, that brings light and life into a world that's dark and dead. Lord, help us to 
to, to be reminded again and just recommit ourselves today to this very thing of, of the church. Father, thank you that we can all be a part of your living body, serving a living, risen Savior. Lord, help us to see how, how vital the ministry is of the kingdom of God that you've called us to be a part of. Father, remind us that no believer is exempt and every believer will be accountable for working in your kingdom, fulfilling the life of Christ in your church today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you this morning to stand if you would.